What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Anthe Up. Howard Bender and Adam Ronis here. I got to tell you, I don't even have to ask Adam how he is doing today. All I have to do is look at Adam and say, Francisco Lindor. And I know exactly how Adam is doing today. Adam, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, it's a great day as a Mets fan. We knew that Steve Cohen coming in at the owner would change things, that he was going to be aggressive and he wasn't afraid to open the checkbook. And then to find out surprisingly today, this afternoon, that the Mets have acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, who is just joy for Mets fans because we're not used to this. We're used to these bullshit deals that they try to sell us and it's really cost cutting under the Wilpons regime. And we know that's not the case anymore, that we're finally going to act like a big market New York team. So, and the trade too for Lindor, this is not like years past where we're getting a 33, 34 year old that's near the end of their prime. Lindor is 27. So we still have a lot of good years ahead of him. He's a five tool guy. And Carlos Carrasco is a guy I've always loved. I remember seeing him pitch in the minor leagues when he was in the Philly system. And I always loved his stuff. And he didn't do well early on for Philadelphia. But we've seen him evolve and really turn into a good pitcher once he was traded to Cleveland. Even with Cleveland early on, he had some rough seasons, uh, but we gradually saw him get better, improve the control, and really get that strikeout rate up. And clearly a great story last year, bouncing back uh, from the leukemia and, and pitching well. So they needed another arm. It, it allows Noah Syndergaard not to rush back, coming back. From the Tommy John and Lindor just gives us uh, a shortstop up the middle uh, to improve the defense as well. So as a Mets fan, you got to be ecstatic with the trade that went down and more moves potentially to be made as well. So it all stems from ownership. And you could see the change in culture just listening to Sandy Alderson's press conferences, not only today, but from the last couple of months since Cohen took over and listen to how he sounded under the Wilpons. You could just see. It's a different culture, and it's very important, and Mets fans should be happy. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're, it's in, an instant championship. I know Cohen mentioned three to five years is when he wanted. That's high expectations. That's not easy to win a championship. Look at the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers were great for how many years, and it took them until this year to finally get over the hump and win that title. So it's not easy, but at least we have an owner who is going to be aggressive going to spend money and wants to win. I think that, listen, in, in all honesty now, yes, I, I know the rumors as well that the Mets are uh, the, the lead offer for George Springer right now, which would be absolutely insane for you guys. I mean, this to me, this is instant contender, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, you, you, you grab James McCann and free agency as, as your catcher. Good, solid defensive backstop. Good pitch framer as well. Um, and now you've got Lindor joining guys like Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis um, is another uh, another great name there. Um, and the other thing about it is, <clears throat> yeah, the rotation, you know, when Syndergaard does come back, you've got him, DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman. That, that's a, a ridiculously tough you know, deep top four. And then if you throw in Peterson and Mats and Lugo, then all of a sudden, you know, like your rotation becomes seven deep, which is, you know, absolutely fantastic. What what blows me away a little bit, though, too, was the fact that in order to make this happen for you guys, you didn't even give up your best prospects. Like, you know, I, Jimenez is a he's a he's a strong shortstop prospect. But Ronnie Mauricio is actually the Mets' best shortstop prospect in the uh, in, in the system. Uh, Matt Allen, the pitcher uh, who's in the system as well, that's another guy who I think is uh, is uh, th those were the names that Jim Bowden and I were talking about today, being like, "Wow, uh, we were actually surprised that neither one of those guys were in that deal." So Mets get themselves a, a great deal, not just for for this year, but in order to maintain, you know, some really good shit on the farm system as well. Uh, and it's, uh, I got to tell you, man, I, my hat goes off to you guys for making this deal. Uh, I think it was a huge, huge move for the Mets. I think it's a, a great step in the right direction. And really, depending on what the Braves do offensively in free agency, 
whether it's bringing back Ozuna or, or, you know, signing a bat to replace him, you know, you guys could be leapfrogging over them with this squad immediately. Um, Braves are probably still the favorite now, but again, the offseason is still young and, you know, George Springer would be interesting. He obviously reportedly wants 175, but we've seen it's a slow market. And look, I, the Mets have to be more appealing now to free agents. When you see what the owner is doing, his attitude, and you see the excitement that the players have, and it might help the Mets. You know, Mets could go to Springer. All right, we want you. Here's the money. If you can find this better on the open market, go get it. And he might go there and be like, oh, it's not that good. You know, I got an offer that's maybe slightly more. You know what? Mets are exciting. It's New York. I kind of want to be a part of that. Now, again, New York's not for everyone, uh, but so, some people might find it appealing because you know if you do bring a championship to New York, you're just held forever in this city, uh, and especially since the Mets haven't won in so long. If you come here and you help lead this team to a championship, like you'll just get anything in this city for free forever. So it's got to be more appealing to free agents now. And I don't know if Trevor Bauer is going to come here, but you know Trevor Bauer, he likes to troll everyone. And it's all about him, but he put like the eye emojis on Twitter after this was announced. So, you know, he's watching, but it has to be more appealing for players to come to New York now when you know the owner really wants to win. And uh, there's just a certain culture now that feels like it's headed in the positive direction because anyone who's been a Mets fan or knows about the Mets, it's been doom and gloom for a long time under the Bullpons. It's just we settling for the lesser free agents. There was no chance. Under the Wilpons, especially after the whole Madoff thing, they would make a trade like this. No chance. Because now you have to pay Francisco Lindor. He's got one year left on his deal. More than likely, I'm assuming the Mets are going to do everything they can to pay him. At 27 years old, why not? And on the other side, though, I do feel bad for Indians fans because this is a team that has been really close. They had a lot of talent. They had a great pitching staff, and it's gone. Bauer's gone. Clevenger's gone. Carrasco's gone. But you know what? It's the owner's fault. Don't tell me they don't have money. They're full of shit, bro. All these owners making yeah. so much money. They're all liars, man. They're all is it is it great for the game? Probably not if you have like the Padres, Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers and all these teams just piling up. But blame the other owners, man. They're getting revenue sharing and money and TV money. Yeah, sure. There's no fans and they lost a little bit, but these guys are not poor, man. So the ownership is isn't. Did I see right? The Indians payroll right now is 40 million. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. That's a joke, bro. It's a joke. Man. I know. Come on, man. <laughs> dude, so I feel nine million, it, nine million a year for Jose Ramirez. Like, dude, it's insane, <laughs> man. It's insane. Uh, look, I, I do. They haven't won in a long time, obviously, too. But they had the makings of a team that could have won. I mean, with the pitching they had, even with those guys gone, they were still getting. They had Bieber and Plesac and Savali. It sucks for them. So, you know, I, I do feel bad. But at the same time, you know, as a Mets fan, you're ecstatic because we're thirsty for a winner. And that's the only thing that sucks, like, that more than likely there won't be any fans there opening day. Because, man, uh, that building is electric when the Mets have good things going. And they are hungry for a winner and with everything that Cohen's doing, you could just feel it. I was getting texts from people today, and you see the excitement on Twitter. So that's the only thing that kind of sucks, not being able to be there. Uh, hopefully at some point this year, maybe fans could get in. I'm hoping. Uh, because this past year, 2020, was the first year that I did not attend a game at City Field or Shea Stadium since 1986, man. 87 was the first year I went to Shea Stadium. And I go to at least one game every single year. 2020 was the first year I did it. Obviously, they didn't have fans in the short season. So uh, it's very unusual for me not to be at that ballpark. Yeah, well, I, I get you. I, I definitely get you. It's a um, very exciting time. Very exciting time. I mean, listen, I, I love it, man. I really do. Um, you know, I've never subscribed to the, you know, I'm just going to crap on the Mets and whatever as a Yankees fan. I, you know, I, I think it's. It, to me, it makes the, the city more electric when they're both doing well, right? The Subway Series in 2000, dude, how exciting was New York during the Subway Series in 2000? It was so good. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely dig it. Now, from a fantasy perspective here, Adam, oh, my God. Like, 
think about the labor NL labor auction that I am in next year, right? Look at the shortstop position uh, in the NL now. It's Tatis, Turner, Story, Lindor, Seeger, uh, Baez, Correa, Swanson, Gregorius. I mean, like all of a sudden, you look at this uh, the shortstop position for fantasy in the NL only leagues, dude. This shit got deep, and it got deep in a hurry. I think it's deep overall, even if you include the American League, too. I mean, it's a deep position um, because you got Alberto Mondesi as well in the American League for his steals, Bo Bichette. Uh, so there's there's a load of talent uh, across the board in shortstop. Bogarts, Sander Bogarts is really good, man. Tim Anderson. I mean, this is it's a loaded position. Oh, it's definitely is, a loaded position. But who are the top five shortstops in the NL right now? In, 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 the Amer- in, in Major League Baseball right now? Who are the top five for shortstops? fantasy or overall? Overall for fa- and for fantasy. Fantasy, Either- it's Tatis. Yeah. Trey Turner. Yeah. Story still goes early because, of course, mm-hmm. Lindor, Bichette. Those are the top five by ADP in the NFBC. Okay. So four out of the top five are all in the NL. Yeah. No, it's 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 a loaded position, man. I mean, I, last year it was really deep. And... Now you saw, you've seen Tatis get elevated to the first or second pick in most drafts. Bichette has moved up. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a loaded position. It's going to be exciting, man. Very, very stoked for fantasy baseball. Like, crazy stoked. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm doing my first uh, fantasy hockey draft uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, um, which I'm super pumped about. But, like, all of a sudden it was like, you know, like once they ignite the hot stove a little, like all of a sudden it's like all the fantasy baseball juices that I've I've really missed because I didn't get to enjoy baseball at all this year because not just COVID, but because I had to do all the all the football prep when baseball like hadn't even started yet. And so I I really I missed out on spring training uh, and I just I missed out on the baseball season so bad. So getting it right now, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like tweaking at this point. I mean, it's cra- like a meth head right now, wondering if, uh, if this pharmacist is going to sell me all these boxes of Advil, cold and sinus. Let's hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> I need my fix, man. I need my fix. Give it to me. So I'm super pumped about that. I'm very happy for you. Um, I know I give you and Lisa Ann a, a ton of shit about being Mets fans. Uh, Scotty Engel too, uh, but it's all love. And the fact that, you know, we'll just, you know, be going toe to toe with each other, uh, hopefully in some world series. I am, uh, very excited about that prospect. No doubt. No doubt. Yep, you know, I am for sure. And, uh, I'm just hoping that we see a few more moves that propel this team in the right direction. And, you know, the Mets actually had one of the best lineups in baseball last year on, with a lot of statistics, you know, they were great OBP. They had a really good lineup. It's just their defense wasn't good and their pitching was a major problem. So uh, definitely have the anchor in DeGrom and, you know, Strowman back. He's a solid pitcher. So things are looking good. And, you know, again, you got to stay healthy and you got to do it on the field. It's great. But it's finally good to see them being aggressive and making some moves. And now the big thing, too, is um, is there going to be a DH, man? We still don't even know, which I think is absurd. You have these teams making moves. Or about to make moves. We don't even know if there's going to be a DH in the NL. Like, has Jim Bowden said anything to you about this? Does he have any intel? He he does not have any intel about that. We've actually talked about it. We haven't talked about it on the show. We've talked about it a couple of times uh, behind the scenes. But, um, yeah, it's uh, that it's it's really annoying that, like, listen, I get Make a it. decision. What are we waiting for? Right, exactly. Shit or get off the pot. Either we got this a universal the- DH or we don't. That's the problem with baseball. We know this, like the way they're run. And then you're hearing rumors too about how the season might start on might start on time. You're ridiculous, man. And, and then all the time that they took last year to finally get a season in place. Like you look at these other leagues, NBA, they didn't mess around. All right, this is what we're doing. Boom. And also, I guess the prorated salaries is another issue too that baseball's holding up. Meanwhile, these other sports aren't, it's just amazing. Baseball doesn't get it, man. Yeah, it's it's a real pro. It's becoming a real problem for them. I mean, you know, it's already we've already seen baseball lose 
uh, in ratings. We've seen them lose fan bases. Uh, people are turning to the NBA and and uh, and the NFL a lot more than baseball. And and yeah, they're they're not doing themselves any favors, and it makes zero sense as to why they wouldn't like you know try to just make it a little bit more fan friendly right now and stop you know stop quibbling you know i you guys are all billionaires all right stop yes. quibbling over like nickels and dimes yeah I completely agree man it's really frustrating i mean diehard fans like me and you i well, I'm speak for myself like i'm never gonna leave you know but it's not about me it's drawing in new people and and keeping people that maybe have appreciated the game or just jumped in the last few years and they just do they're going to get bad pr like they don't help themselves at all i mean this for agent market has been slow as shit like baseball needed this desperately they haven't been in the headlines at all now they're in the headlines today with this um and it helps that it's a, a new york team but like what's going on like this is another slow market and they've done this year after year and now with the pandemic and everything that's going on like, I just don't understand how we don't know if there's a DH or not. Like, when are they going to decide this? A week before spring training is supposed to start? Like, how is that fair to the teams in the NL? And I'm not saying that as a Mets fan being selfish because the Mets, we they do need to figure out what to do. They have Dominic Smith penciled in for left field. And Alderson even said on the press conference today, you know, we like Dominic Smith. He's okay in left field, but ideally we don't want to play him there. So you got Pete Alonso at first base. So what are you going to do? Platoon those guys? And then what if you do get Springer? All right, now Springer's out there. You're going to move Nimmo to left. You got Conforto on right. So they need to figure out. And it's not only the Mets. It's other teams, too. Like, I just don't get it. It's like, imagine you're in a fantasy draft, and you don't know the rules, and you're going to find out the rules, like, I don't know, 10 minutes before the draft. Like, how are you supposed to prep for that? Like, all of a sudden, they, yeah, you know what? Eh, it's not PPR. It's not PPR. And all this time you were preparing for PPR. <laughs> and you find out 10 minutes. Before, I mean, come on, man. No one's going to do that. So I don't know what, why, why this is such an issue. Make a decision. That's it. It's simple. And they can't get this right. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. It's an absolute huge bummer that they can't get it right. We're going to, uh, you know, I mean, listen, we'll, uh, we'll track it. We'll follow it. I mean, there's nothing that you know, I, 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 I ranted and raved about all of this, you know, throughout last season, not, not having a, you know, listening to them quibble over the bullshit like that and, uh, and, and not making it fun. So I'm with you. I don't want to get caught up in that. We've got uh big fish to fry here otherwise, uh, because listen, this is going to be our uh, last show before super wild card weekend in the NFL happens. And I want to, I want to go through our, uh, through our picks. We'll give everybody our picks as far as, uh, uh, games against the spread, uh, as well as the uh, the over unders uh, on that. And secretly, I've got to go and do a lot of prep work for my fantasy hockey league because I haven't read the rules yet. <laughs> Number one thing: always know your league rules. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll get on that. I'll get on that. But before we get to our picks here for Super Wild Card Weekend, uh, always want to give a nice little shout out to our. Uh, good sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight, the DFS site you should be playing on, and here's why. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out MonkeyKnifeFight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P. You will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we... Uh, Pay the bills. 
All right, Adam. Wild card weekend here. Three games on Saturday. Three games on Sunday. We've gotten a decent amount of uh, the injury news coming up. There's the COVID news that we're still monitoring. You guys can find all of that at fantasyalarm.com. Uh, I've got the COVID blog. We keep trying to update that. But uh, I figure let's just let's go through. Let's make our picks here. We've talked about these games now a bunch here on the show. Uh, I think we can kind of, you know, make some uh, some late Thursday pontifications come to come to fruition. We'll start off here Saturday morning. Bills hosting hosting the Colts. Bills favored by six and a half points here over under 51. Whew. Which side you leaning on, Adam? So the six and a half, I'm taking the Bills. If it was seven, I'd lean towards Indy. Again, I love the Bills, like the way they're playing. I think they're uh, you know, dominating at the right time. Uh, they're 8-0 against the spread in the last eight contests. Uh, they've been good at home. Again, I think Indianapolis, very good team. Don't have too many weaknesses. Have a solid defense, especially if they can run the football with Jonathan Taylor, keep that offense off the field, and maybe jump out to a lead. Uh, you know, It could work out well for them. I, I didn't realize this, too. The Colts have been underdogs only one time this season against the Browns in Week 5. So they're not been in this position many times, but if it's six and a half, I'm taking the bills. Six and a half. You're taking the bills. I, you know, for me, I mean, it really does. It, it comes down to whether or not the Colts are really going to run the ball heavy and run the ball hard uh, early. Obviously the, the, the key is to keep Josh Allen and the offense off the field, long sustained drives. You got to shorten up that passing game uh, for the Colts, but can they do it alone? And yeah, like you said, Bills under you know eight zero against the spread uh, in their last eight games is definitely huge. That's not that that to me is not necessarily a stat waiting to be corrected. So I really I wish I could take the Colts here, but I'm the side with you. I'm going to take the Bills minus the six and a half. Um, I will kind of tilt a little bit on the under. I think if I don't think that the Colts are going to score, so I might lean on the under fifty one. I think that this could be. You know, uh, 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 you know, I don't know, 28-21 type game? Yeah, I lean towards the over. I think we'll see some points here. And I think the Colts can put up some points. The Bills' defense, not what we thought. Uh, and Indianapolis, I think, will have some success on the ground. If I, I think they're Jonathan Taylor's over uh, rushing yards, probably, I think, 73. Kind of like the over on that. 73. I do yeah. like the over on that. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Interesting. All right. Uh, next game, Rams, Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by three and a half. The over-under is 42. Um, I, I just, I literally just had this argument with Jim Bowden on the Fantasy Alarm show uh, because he's like, he, you know, no question. It's Seahawks for him. It's Seahawks for him. I get the struggles that we're dealing with with Goff and Walford at uh, at at quarterback, but I, I think you know with the way that the Seahawks have played at them, I'm not enamored with their offense. You look at what their their top two receivers have done against the uh, against the the Rams this season. DK Metcalf blanketed by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I think he combined for like 80 yards in the two games. Tyler Lockett. Uh, same thing, just, you know, weak output for him, no touchdown catches for either one of these guys against the Rams. I love the Rams defense still. Um, I think they can definitely keep this close. I don't know if the Rams actually upset the Seahawks and, you know, and win it outright, but I'm not selling this Rams defense short. I'm taking them with the points and I'm actually with a 42 on the over under, which is such a low number. I still kind of want to take that under. Uh, yeah, I think, look, I'm taking the other two. It's 20 to nine and 23, 17. Now it's the NFL. It's 2021. And would you be surprised if this is the highest score game of the weekend? Yes. Could it happen? <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't think it will. So I'm taking the under, I'm with you. I'm taking the Rams getting the three and a half. Uh, we'll see if Goff plays. They don't even need Goff to be great. Look, the, this could be a field goal game easily. These teams know each other very well. Neither team has done anything offensively. I mean, the Rams defense, I think, is the best defense in the playoffs. 
They've allowed 53 points their last four games, 17 sacks in that span. They have 53 sacks in the regular season, second in the NFL. They're only giving up, uh, you know, 4.6 yards per play in the last three games. They're sh- they shut Ru- Russell Wilson in his two games against them, 473 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, 11 sacks. So I just don't see this being a high-scoring game, and I definitely see this being a close game. I think this game is going to be terrible to watch. I hope I'm wrong. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to say because I love Russ Wilson and Metcalf. And there's players. Woods, I love Cooper Cup. But these offenses have looked absolutely abysmal lately. So I'll take the Rams getting the points. I will also take the under. Should we each purchase a uh, an Aaron Donald jersey so we can at least cheer on the defensive line? Um. Yeah, I guess. Or Jalen Ramsey, right? You know? You, all right, I'll get the Aaron Donald jersey. Yeah, because you, you resemble Aaron Donald more, and I'm Jalen Ramsey more. You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, of if we if we were to play a football game in the street, you would play defensive line, and I would play corner, right? Probably, yes. Okay, if we're talking defense. Yeah, I'm not playing linebacker, bro. <laughs> Jack the fuck up! I'll say this, though. There was a guy in high school, and I know it's high school, but still— was a little bit bigger than me. He played linebacker. Dude was amazing. He just, he just, you know how certain guys just read the game well? He read every, he was there on every tackle. It amazed me. I'm like, this dude is not even that big. And he was in on every play. It's amazing. And, you know, there's players like that in the NFL too. You, they just have like an instinct or they just know yeah. the game well. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, I am not that person. Oh, I'm I am not, a, uh, I'm I'm a, a lumbering, I am a lumbering offensive lineman. Football, no, I'd say it's softball. I'm really savvy. Like, one thing that irks me that people don't do, all right, if I'm the runner at first base and a grounder is hit to second base, you know how people just run right to the second baseman so they could tag him? It's the stupidest thing. Like, what are you doing? Stop. Don't run right to the second baseman. Let him chase you so the guy running to first base can get in safely instead of a double play. It amazes me the things that people do. It's the little things, just like life, just like work, anything. It's the little things that make a difference in winning and losing. And I see people just like run right to the second baseman <laughs> into his tag, and then he throws the first double play. I don't. I, I see it. I stop. You come get me. So it buys time the guy running the first base. And you know, it's softball. So most of these guys can't run anyway. <laughs> but in the same thing, too, going from second to third. And the shortstop, like, I'll just stop and let the shortstop chase me. Right, but, I mean, why would the second baseman really have to chase you if all he needs to do is uh, touch the base? Well, if he's not near the base. I'm saying, the sec- you know, where the second base plays between first and second, a grounder's hit to him. Right, and- then the shortstop covers second base. Well, sometimes the shortstop is not there in time. Ah, okay. All right. Okay. It happens in baseball. Sorry, I'm just too. yeah, I'm just used to dealing with professionals. I'm sorry. Well, no, it happens in pro sports too sometimes. <laughs> it amazes me. I see the guy run right into the second baseman. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, what are you gonna do? Things like Fun- that bother me. It's the fundamental things. things that stand out. Fundamentals. Nobody pays attention to them anymore. No, they don't. They don't. Kids these days. I don't care if it's adults awful. You got to make these plays, man. It's little things, man. You're too funny. You're too funny. <laughs> Let's get back to the games here. Let's finish off Saturday's slate. <laughs> Tampa against Washington. It's uh, what you call it. Uh, uh, Bucks minus eight right now. Over under is forty four and a half. Obviously the well the money lines actually it's dropped a little bit. The Bucks used to be at minus four hundred. Now they're at minus three seventy five. Washington still at plus three ten. Um. You know, this to me, Adam, this this really it comes down to Tampa Bay's offensive line against Washington's defensive line. I feel like that's where this comes down to. So it's your turn to go first. Which one do you like? I'm going to take the points, thinking Washington can keep it close, maybe lose by a touchdown. Uh, I do think Tampa wins this game. There is concern. Tampa has not looked good against good defenses this year. I know everyone's enamored with their offense right now because they've put up points against some weak opponents. I think they played, what, Atlanta twice in the last uh, three weeks. They had Detroit, the, the embarrassing game against Detroit. 
which looked like what that that looked like a high school football team playing against NFL team. It was that bad on defense uh, for those that watched that game. Uh, but you know, Washington was what third defensive DVOA this year, uh, forty-seven sacks, twenty-three takeaways. So I've said it. The recipe is there for Washington to stay in this game, put pressure on Brady, make him uncomfortable, force turnovers, and we've seen it times this year. And again, Tampa Bay has not been able to beat good teams. You know, they got losses to the Saints twice, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bears, all playoff teams. So. Uh, my concern is Washington. What can they do offensively? Are they going to be able to put up enough points? And I don't think so. So I think Tampa finds a way to get it done. But I do think Washington can cover this line. I think Washington can cover this line as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't want to call it the uh, the big upset special. I'm more inclined to saying that the Rams upset the Seahawks more than Washington upsetting uh, Tampa Bay in this one, but I really, I do. I, I think that is, that's definitely a problem. Now, you know, want to give credit where credit is due. Brady sacked only 21 times this season. That was, uh, that's, that's definitely in the bottom five, I believe, uh, for NFL. So I think that, you know, the offensive line has done a really good job in pass protection, uh, for him. So I, I think that's definitely going to be now, can they withstand the, uh, the onslaught from Chase Young and company, that's going to be a, an interesting thing here, but I do like taking the points here. Again, I'm kind of, I mean, I don't mean to sound boring, but I'm kind of tilted on the under as well for this one here uh, too. I think, what, 44 and a half? It's, again, it's a low number if you look at what Brady's done over these last two games, but for defensive speaking for the Washington, I think they can kind of keep it low. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, even Washington's not an explosive team. We know Alex Smith. Going to check down, check down. They were 32nd of offensive DVOA. They're going to have these long drives if they move the football at all. So, uh, and again, Washington's pass rush was really good. They get a lot of pressure without blitzing much. So I'm going to take the under here as well. Very nice. Um, all right. So before we get to the Sunday games here, just a, a quick interlude. What do you think of this? Because Bowden threw this one out here today. You know, do you see the 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 tweet from that Deshaun Watson was unhappy? He was told that he was going to be involved in the decision making and the and the hiring process for a new coach and a new GM for Houston. Well, they went out, they turned around, and they uh, they they picked up the director of player personnel from the Patriots, and apparently Watson's upset because he wasn't involved in any of that. You guys promised it to him, and then you didn't consult him in any way now listen i mean does a player need to be consulted on something like that no they really shouldn't be but then you don't turn around and you tell the player that he's going to be involved and then you dick him over like that uh bowden turned around and just turned he said he's like how good would deshaun watson look on washington oh he would look good on many teams but yeah he'd be a great fit for washington you got mclaurin logan thomas come along draft another wide receiver gibson is only going to get better next year people forget Antonio Gibson is learning the running back position. And that's one of the things Washington and Ron Rivera was saying earlier this year of why, remember, there was a period where he wasn't getting a ton of carries, still learning the position. You know, he didn't play a ton of running back in college. So, yeah, I mean, look, you can put Watson on so many teams and he's a instant upgrade. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He had a great year despite the poor coaching. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, great fit for Washington. I, I could find a lot of teams that he'd, be a good fit for any team that needs a quarterback. He'd be great. But yes, Washington, probably that's their missing piece. You put Washington uh, Watson on Washington. I don't want to see it as a Cowboys fan. That would be terrible. Because <laughs> they already have a good front seven. If they can sign a, you know, draft a good corner, get another corner. I mean, you got a young running back in Gibson that I think is only going to get better. McLaurin's a young receiver. That's already shown an ability. Logan Thomas is really evolved. And draft a receiver. Sign Ron a sign, and sign an Allen Robinson or something. <laughs> I mean, right? forget it. Ron Rivera and, and Scott Turner one one year removed from Cam Newton. Yeah, so they've dealt yeah. with the the mobile QB. I, I don't goes, want to talk. I don't want to talk about this. This is depressing. No, no, no. But see, this no, well, see, this is a big thing, Adam. Because no, I, know. I said if the I, and I swore this up and down the line, if the Jets fuck up this offseason, I'm done with them. Like, if sincerely, I'm done with them. Like to to not have the number one pick. Okay, fine. 
You want to stick with Darnold? Okay, fine. You better show me something what you do in this offseason. But I'll tell you what, man, that would that would really upset me. And uh, and if they fuck it up, I'm looking for a new team. And if Deshaun Watson were on Washington, well, I got to tell you, man, I might have to come over to the NFC East and do battle. Oh, boy. And what, go to Washington? I look good in maroon. Oh, boy. Come on. I do. I mean, blue is definitely my color, but I look good in maroon also. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want to see Deshaun Watson on Washington. That would be a nightmare as a Cowboys fan. Yeah, sure would. Nom, 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 nom. Let's go to Sunday's games. We'll start off. You know what? We're going to go in reverse order this time because, well, you know, again, we both agree that that Ravens Titans should be in prime time. The fact that that is the first game of the day. Uh, really just kind of steams my clams. Now, we will start with the PM game, which is the Browns against the Steelers. No Kevin Stefanski. And how about this one, Adam? The shameless plug for the Fantasy Alarm Show on Friday, 6 p.m. or oh, 7 p.m. Eastern is when he's going to join us. Uh, but Chief Strategy Officer and de facto team president of the Cleveland Browns is going to be joining me and Jim Bowden on the Fantasy Alarm Show tomorrow to talk about things like Kevin Stefanski. Not going to be present because of COVID, not going to be calling plays, not going to be dialed into the sidelines as well. Apparently, it's not even COVID related. It's well, isolation is COVID policy, but the non communication from a remote location with the sidelines uh, is NFL policy. So yeah. the mm-hmm. fancy can like script the first 12 plays of the game, but beyond that, he ain't doing shit for that team. Yeah, because I saw one of the Cleveland beat writers reached out to someone in the NFL, and their response was, it is the rule, and they didn't make an exception for Detroit when Detroit had their coaches out. So, yeah, look, we've seen that line move. I'm still going to take Pittsburgh minus six. I just think, look, they have their flaws, and their offense has really looked bad in the second half of the season. But I think Roethlisberger getting that rest last week was big. These teams know each other pretty well. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is going to find enough to get it done. They've got the receivers uh, with Deontay Johnson and Juju and Claypool and Ebron. They don't run the ball well. It's been a problem. But again, the Steelers have the playoff experience here. Mike Tomlin's been in the postseason numerous times. They've been good at home in the playoffs. So I will take Pittsburgh. And again, uh, the Browns haven't practiced either yet. (laughs) I mean, uh, so that. It just it doesn't set up well at all for the Browns right now. And look, maybe they maybe it doesn't matter. They come out and they surprise us, but I just don't see it. So I'm taking Pittsburgh. Taking Pittsburgh. I feel like I have to also. Like I hate it. I don't want to because I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. And and I swear to fucking God, if they just ran hard with Nick Chubb. You know, the injuries to to Pittsburgh's linebacking core has really made their their run defense struggle. Like early on in the season, you couldn't run on Pittsburgh at all. They've given up almost 160 yards over the last three games on the ground, uh, you know, 160 yards per game uh, over the last three weeks. So if they if the Browns would just run the ball. And I mean, again, I said this yesterday on the podcast. I don't give a shit if you go three and out your first series, you come back and you keep running the ball and you keep pounding it down their throats. It's really, to me, that's the only way they're going to be able to beat Pittsburgh because that'll just open up the play action for Baker Mayfield. My big fear, you've got Alex Van Pelt, who's, you know, Mr. Quarterback guy, and he's the offensive coordinator. Uh, And even though it's, uh, what's his face, the special teams guy, uh, Feeler, Fiefer, whatever his name is, He's um he's going to be taking over head coaching and you know duties but I don't necessarily know if he's going to subscribe to that you know heavy run game sort of thing. So um reluctantly I I agree with you on taking the Steelers minus 6. Um yeah, I mean that's that's all I can say. Uh, did you say over or under in this one? I kind of leaning on the over. Uh I'm going to take the under. Fine. Screw you, dude. You want to go opposite <laughs> me? Suck it. 
Saints hosting the Bears. 10-point differential here. Saints are favored by 10, over under 47.5 here as well. We've gotten some line movement uh, indeed. But the money line here, I mean, come on. Saints now minus 500, Bears plus 400. I guess the question on everybody's mind is, and we talked about this yesterday with the uh, with Kamara coming back from COVID. You got Michael Thomas coming back. Are you ready to lay 10 points in this game? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, I am. I saw something. I can't, I'm trying to remember the stats. Something about double-digit favorites in the playoffs something like 10 and 1 in the last 11 or something uh i just think the saints are a better team now i have i do have pause because we haven't seen the saints disappoint in the playoffs even last year they should have won and they lost to minnesota alvin kamara tweeted see you sunday i think he's going to be back thomas will be back so uh i just think the Saints are a better team. I don't care that they faced each other. That was back in week eight. And uh, I know the Bears offense is better. And Trubisky is the quarterback now. But I just feel like he's going to make mistakes in this game. Uh, Saints defense is really good uh, against the run. 3.9 yards per carry this year. Under 94 rushing yards per game. So we know that Chicago is going to try and run the football with Montgomery. I don't think it's going to be very successful. And Trubisky is going to be forced to throw. Allen Robinson's not 100% dealing with a hammy. Maybe it bothered him last week because he had one of his worst games. I don't know. I didn't watch, like, all of that, so I don't know if he was running full strength or not. Uh, but he's still on the injury report with a hammy. So uh, I'm, I am going to lay the points. Uh, I think the Saints get it done. I want to be a douche and just go opposite you just to go opposite you, but I, I can't really. You uh, you throw down a very compelling argument there, um, indeed. Darnell Mooney's questionable too. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you know, and I know I was talking about you know not, <clears throat> you know not underselling the uh, the the Bears defense, but I mean as I look at it more, it's the Bears offense that kind of concerns me. Much in what you were saying about uh, Washington against Tampa, and obviously the Bears defense is better than the Bears offense is better than the uh, the Washington offense. But, you know, I just I can't put my eggs into that Trubisky basket, especially, you know, in New Orleans uh, against this D. So sadly, I'm with you there. And, and I'm actually looking at the over. Yes, I like the over, too. Oh, then I like the under. <laughs> <laughs> Play this game all night, Ronis. Uh, final game, which is the early game on Sunday, the game that you love, the game that I love. Game that should be in prime time. It's Ravens. It's Titans. The Titans are uh, at home here, uh, getting their home dog, getting three and a half. Over under is 54 and a half. Listen, I'll just say this I love the Ravens defense. I think Patrick Queen is one of the, 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 you know, just superstar linebacker. I love what he brings to the table. I really do. But I'm going to take the Titans, I'm going to take the points. This is a big upset last year as well in the playoffs. Uh, Titans did win also, what, 34 to 20 uh, earlier on in the season, or 30 to 24, actually. It was 30 to 24. Titans beat the Ravens. We've talked about it a bunch that if, uh, if the Titans get an early lead, that Baltimore is not built for the comeback trail. Um, I like the over in this game because I do think that these teams put up points but I think this could come down to a field goal at the end of it, and I want to be on the getting point side, and I'll take that hook, too, that they're giving me. Yeah, this is the toughest game, and I would not touch it uh, because I just don't feel strongly. I could see either team winning. I could see either team making a run. I will take Tennessee getting the three and a half because I do think it could be a field goal game. Uh, and I think it's going to be – Really entertaining. 54 and a half is kind of high. Uh, I will go with the. I'll lean towards the under. But again, I don't really feel strong about either on this side. I, this is just one game I want to sit back and watch. I'll do player props. Um, I'll probably. I'm looking at overs on Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, uh, things like that. 
maybe Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, Dobbins' score. You know, I, I think there'll be points in this game. I, I think the over is kind of high, though, to take it 54 and a half. So this will be a game where I look at player props, I think. I'm not going to touch the line or the total in this one. This is one of those games I'm just going to sit back and just enjoy the shit out of it. And watch, it'll be the worst game of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Nine to six. Oh, uh, no way. No <laughs> chance. If Goskowski you versus that, Tucker. Imagine, you know, you could imagine that. Like, yeah, I'm going to bet the total points of this game is 15 for plus 10,000. Because there's, I don't know if they go as low as 15, but, you know, you can do totals like that. Like something absurd. Right. And the odds you would get, oh, my God, on this game, it would be insane. You'd, you'd be making a killing. You'd be doing as well as if you bet the Knicks money line every game this year. The Knicks are the most profitable uh, betting team right now in the NBA. I know. Well, last night wasn't so good for me. Why? I didn't bet the game. I uh, oh, I gave out Knicks uh, plus eight. Well, maybe I didn't catch that one, Adam. Oh, another thing, too. Here, an- another example. Now, this was kind of lucky. So w- this is Thursday. So for Wager Alarm today, sometimes you get breaks. Sometimes it goes against you. But I gave out Karis LeVert over 17 and a half points when it was published around 3, 4 p.m. So if you saw it then, hopped on it, you would just want easy money. Now, Kyrie Irving was ruled out due to personal issues. We don't even know why. And clearly that boosted Levert's props up. I think he went up to 22 and a half points, but he has 18 at halftime. So it was easy money. So sometimes if you check in early and you do bet the prop, you know, you gain an advantage. And the good thing is, say if that player is ruled out, it's null and void. You get your money back. So uh, an example is if you, you know, follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Alarm, at Wager Alarm, at Adam Ronis. We tweet it out. Sometimes if you hop on these props early, it's easy money. There you go. There you go. And you know what? We can end that show on a shameless plug for Wager Alarm uh, right now. I absolutely love it. And uh, and I won't doubt your uh, your hoops prowess. Ever again there. I never doubted your hoops prowess. What am I saying? I just, I played a, a, a lineup last night that looked uh, so unbelievably good with the exception of the fact that, that Trey Young played the absolute worst game of his life. Yeah, it was very weird. Uh, I, I saw people saying that they'd never seen a top player play such a bad game. And uh, yeah, you know, it was a great matchup. How about this bad luck? So I gave out Harrison Barnes over 22 and a half points and rebounds, right? Yeah. So Barnes came into this game averaging 16.6 points and 8.1 rebounds per game. He scored 20 points. You would say, oh, he hit the prop over easily, right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, No. He (laughs) He played 37 minutes against the Bulls who are not a good team and play at a very fast pace, and it was a high-scoring game, he had zero rebounds. How the fuck is that possible, bro? Dude, I was going insane. The guy averaged 8.1 rebounds a game going into last night. Never had fewer than six. All we needed was three. Three. He had zero in 37 minutes. You talk about outliers? Like, to me, that's a case where you go, process was right. That's bad luck. Do you agree? I do agree. I mean, that's one of those where I just throw my hands up and go, like, really? It's like you walk outside, a bird takes a shit on you. That's what it felt like. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you you play uh, on FanDuel for NBA DFS? I've actually been doing way more player props. I haven't done a ton of DFS yet. Okay. I'm just curious as to what Trey Young usually puts up on on a night. When especially he's when you're actually, when you're taking actually, on a team like Charlotte, he should have put up a monster number. Like what? Like yeah, just kind of ballpark it. 60, 70? 50. 50? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. against the Knicks, he had 30 the game before, 31 points, 14 assists. Yeah, I'm trying Damn, to Damn though, against Cleveland though, he had 16 points and 10 assists. What the hell's going on with this dude? I don't know what's going on with this dude, but it was uh, it was I mean, brutal. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. A- I had a lineup last night that I would have put up uh, easily had had you. I gotten a normal number out of uh, out of 
Trey Young, I would have at least had 300 points in, in this lineup. And I don't well, know shit about basketball. He's he's slowed down. Uh, he's had a couple bad. Two of his last three games have been bad. But his point totals from game one, 37, 36, 29, 30, 21, 16, 31, 7. So, yeah, that was the and he, the worst part is he took nine shots from the field. He averages almost 17 shots per game from the field. So just one of those nights he did have four fouls. I think I saw something where he just said, yeah, I was in foul trouble, just couldn't get into a rhythm. So one of those outliers. But the thing is, you know, if his price goes down uh, and he has a good matchup, you go back to him. You know how it is in DFS. It's the yeah, same thing. I know. I just, you know, it was hurtful. It was upsetting. I saw some tweets last night between you and John and Pemba. You know, <laughs> you can't say don't. Don't tell anything, say anything to Rotobuzz guy and then tag him in the fucking tweet, Adam. Well, I was trying to, I was, I was trying to mess with John a little bit since he recommended it to you. <laughs> no, he did. That son of a bitch. That I son know of how a bitch. Is, bro. You know this. We recommend stuff. The process is right. It doesn't work out. Yeah. People the get mad. Most people don't get mad. I think most how people do you get mad. It. You can't get yeah. mad at that. Yeah. You just move on to the next night. Right. That's it. Cause, cause, That's you know, one- cause. Because at at two percent ownership, everybody knew Bradley Beal was going to fuck up those uh, those Sixers. Oh like yeah, that. against the Sixers, the top defensive team, one of the best defensive teams in the league. Yeah, that's one of those where I'm pretty sure someone had to have multiple lineups to put Beal in there. No, even if you okay, you could have said, all right, Beal's going to have a good game. He'll score thirty, fine, sixty. Come on, no one expected that. You never. There's very few guys you feel can go off like that. So. Oh, I'm just oh, uh, Jared Allen just cashed my uh, ten and a half over ten and a half rebounds prop. He's got eleven. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Now I can uh, look at the night slate and figure out what player prop I want to hit. There you go. On that note, we're out of here, folks. Thank you so much for, as always for tuning in. Big thank you to Sawdust Podcast Network and Fantasy Alarm for bringing this dream team together. For Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. Good luck in Wild Card Weekend, baby. We'll catch you next time.